And greetings friends, Jacques Howard here. I am at Children's Futures, historic downtown Trent, New Jersey, West Front Street. And I'm with Spencer Lester. And um, Spencer and I have been talking about, you know, a lot of different things happening um, here uh, in the city. Um, but we're going to bring this conversation back. And this is going to be a series of conversations that I've been very fortunate to be able to have with Children's Futures leadership and key members and even some folks who have benefited from the programming. So, Spencer, can you touch a little bit on some of the key programs um, that Children's Futures does? and lead in by talking a bit about yourself and how long you've been leading this nonprofit organization. Oh, okay. Uh, that's, a, that's a big one. But uh, I've been associated with Children's Futures um, for the beginning, since the beginning. And when I say the beginning, I mean uh, since at the foundation, Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, when it was being put together and started, I was on one of the uh, PMT teams, one of the approval teams, to actually review the program Children's Futures. And then I thought, um, when I looked at the budget and I saw one of the positions in there, I said, um, I wanted to do that. That was on my bucket list. I said that I was going to be at 33. I was going to be the CFO of a community-based organization. Um, so at the time, I was 35. I applied for it, and of course, there was hundreds of people that was applying for it. And um, I wound up getting a position, and that's with not having the greatest relationship with the president at the time or the one that was gone and then we of course had a much better relationship so that was in 2001 and uh here we are in 2022 and uh the primary focus then was to from focus groups we got the message that children in trenton was behind the surrounding areas so we were advised to focus on the zero to three population and so we've continued to do that over the years is focusing on zero to three. We expanded our services in the beginning, which primarily was doing home visiting. And we now do home visiting. We're the only game in town with nurses doing home visiting uh, throughout Mercer County for, but for first time moms. Well, so we provide home visiting services for first time moms. We provide case management services uh, for women of, of uh, childbearing age from 13 to 45. Hate saying that, but mm -hmm. you know, that's what it is. Um, and we also provide um, case management services for men as well. We have doulas that um, for the women that want to have somebody there, help them with the birthing plan. And we have mental health counselors for people in you know beginning, and especially after uh, after having a baby, dealing with postpartum things. Uh, so we try to cover the whole gamut. We try to catch people in the beginning of their pregnancy, then have uh, home visiting for them during it, have a doula with them during it, have somebody to work on their mental psyche, uh, have somebody to help them connect to the various different programs that they may need, you know, WIC, housing, anything there. Uh, so we're trying to capture everything that's associated with that child from zero to two, including health and health, nutrition, um, financial literacy, then especially with the fathers, teaching the fathers the importance of bonding with your child and making that connection and trying to help our, our young men in the city understand you don't have to, it's not about the relationship with the mom. 
it's truly about that relationship with the uh, with that child. So, and if we can't provide the services, we have some of our case managers that are linking and referring you to various other companies which we have a relationship with. Um, we have other programs that are actually being run through uh, a grant from us to Homefront and another with Mercer Street. And then we have some other partners that we just partner together to actually make it work. Because zero to three population, I mean, zero to two population, uh, based on the number of children that's born to mothers of Trenton is an average of 1,500 a year. So zero to two, that means it's 4,500 kids in the city of Trenton. There's no organization in this city that has the capacity to serve all 4,500. So how can we not work together to try to make this happen and, and provide the children with the best service possible? So. You, you said a bunch there, and I want to make sure I, I get some clarification because, if folks, you can't see my face, but there's a bit of deer in headlights because yeah. I just learned a little <laughs> bit more information. Um, so you, you talk, I want to talk about the um, partnering with other organizations and businesses and, and companies. And with the transition of you leaving Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, coming and being the CFO here at Children's Futures, there was obviously a... a coordination, a communication, um, a relationship between the organizations, et cetera. Talk about, um, and you touched on Homefront, Mercer Street Friends. Can you talk about some of the other partnering organizations um, that you're working with now? Uh, right now, we we make referrals and try to get some referrals with the Father Center, um, Children's Home Society. Uh, we have a kind of partnership. And years ago, they actually was one of our grantees. Children's Home Society, St. Francis, um, Henry J. Austin. Uh, uh, who am I leaving out? Those are some a, a partner with the city. Mm -hmm. We've done various different things with the city. Our board chair is actually one of the doctors that are working on the COVID issue with the city of Trenton. All right, That's Dr. Uh, Philip Bonaparte. So, yeah, so we have, a, a, I mean, a number of partnerships that we have with various different organizations, like even the Trenton Housing Authority. Uh, trying to reach the population because a lot of people talk about we have programs and and the people aren't coming and doing this we say okay let's go there mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we go into the housing authority we go into those locations we have street outreach teams that we hired to um we hired them from those neighborhoods and we did this because we got a grant with a census a couple of years ago and what we did to be able to get the word out and increase the number of people that was taking the census and some people was doing the paper one because we had people from their neighborhood that was standing there educating them and then that was saying here you need to fill this out and people were going oh no and, and, and pointing out some of the most obvious things like we're scared to do this because they think it's going to be connected with something and somebody's going to catch them mm -hmm. and then we try to really educate them on if you don't tell them how many people are in a certain area, you're more likely are not going to get increased funding because they don't know the people are here. So we took that outreach idea and just said, you know what, for Children's Futures, let's do the same thing. Let's, let's have people from the neighborhood go out and go into these places because, you know, some people just don't feel as comfortable going in certain places mm -hmm. that they're not familiar with. I understand. And people in those places don't want you to come there if they're not familiar with you. And so familiarity helps and me being a coach over the years it makes it easier because I I've even hired some of the teenagers 
that you're going. So um, our, our partnership is, is, is all over the city and, again, with various different, uh, various different people because, as I said, the capacity and what's to help the number of children, we can't do it all. The other organizations can't do it all. And we don't do what they do. Like, we're not going to the Father Center and try, even though we got a, a, a case manager here for fatherhood, but we're not working on self-esteem, sustainability, and job readiness. Mm -hmm. We're not doing it. If somebody comes in and need that, we forward them over and refer them to the Father Center, the people that's doing it. So we're not trying to duplicate the record. Again, our thing is to, you know, case manage that young man, teach him about you know, we had a parenting education, teaching them about uh, certain things and discipline, how to discipline your child, how to work with your child, how to talk to your child, um, how the importance of bonding, all of those components we have. And then just talk to them about some other needs they have. Fathers have needs too, but because of how some of us are raised, you usually, you know, some men don't cry. It's like, sorry to do that, dude. You know, sorry, sorry to let that out and, and be you. So. We provide services, but we're not trying to compete with anyone. Again, it's the need is too high in the city of Trenton to have competition. So, I'm glad you you said that because um, folks actually have uh, grown up with the word of competition, not even recognizing what it means. To be involved in competition, everyone needs to know the rules, right. and we know clearly that in many circumstances, not everyone is fully abreast of what all the rules are. Right. So we can't be in competition with each other. Um, you, you touched on what I, I call this uh, true like open arms approach. We want everybody who fits this demographic come in. A lot of your literature is available in different languages. Right. Um, the imagery that's on a lot of your marketing, I would say is representative of the population that's here uh, in Trenton right. and in Mercer County. Can you speak to um, some of the folks that you're servicing and why you think that's a good approach? Um, because Trenton is, Trenton has a, a very large population. Like the census, census comes up and says that it's about 87,000. And we all know that it's over 100,000 people when you include undocumented. We know that. And you know that the, the number, it's not just one culture in Trenton. It's various different cultures that's here that not only, it's not just Latino, um, white, and black. It's, I mean, you have a Haitian population is growing, larger population. So right now, to be able to service everyone, and we feel that everyone has the, has the right. We, we can't say that <laughs> you're of a certain culture and no, we don't, we don't service you and your baby, that's insane. That, so what we try to do is just that. What you said, like, when I look at them before I approve a document to actually go, uh, something that's gonna go out, I try to make sure that it's inclusive, that it's not including just one culture, because that's not the city. And if you do that, like if you, you put something up in Spanish, for instance, we had, a, we had one of our parent-child centers was located at um, uh, Catholic Charities, right? Or Sacred Heart here. And, the sign was in Spanish. And I'm saying, look, they were complaining about the number of African-Americans that was coming into their program, that it wasn't. I said, I wouldn't either. And I can read Spanish. But if I see something just in Spanish, I, you immediately say, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. Number one, I can't read it. <laughs> and I live right there. And so we try to make sure, we try to just 
anything that was barriers that people will put up, we try to diffuse it. We make sure we have it in the various language. We make sure that we put it in places where uh, we know people are going to go. You know, we we know you're going to the barbershop. We we know you're going to the bodega. You know, you're going to pick up that fish sandwich, that seafood too. On the, it's like we know you're going to these places. So this is where we try. And we again, we got a service to the population. We I think at one time we had a uh, we had uh, information that was uh, translated in Polish mm-hmm. because we were the upper part of North uh, North Trenton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like reaching out and just being aware of where you are and saying, number one, we're not excluding any, any culture. And you can see just from our staff that, you know, we have representation uh, from various different cultures. And we're in right now, the Mitsugiri hire someone. Uh, we got one person we're going to hire part-time, but another is coming on voluntarily just because of the, the Haitian and Creole dialect and the increase of, of clients that we get coming in. So, uh, person at the front desk, she she speaks one one version, but then there's people that speak another variation. So we're getting somebody for that. Uh, it's like whatever we can do to try to you know meet that need. Um, that's what we. What, what can you say? You're getting you you have these grants to provide the service. You, we're not we're not pigeonholed. We don't have bureaucracy. I, I I just I don't believe in a lot of red tape and bureaucracy, especially when. I know where the buck will stop, mm. and I'm not holding it up. I'm not holding up the progress of what we need to do because of other little things. If the need is there and we see the need and we know it, let's go ahead and address it, and let's figure out what's the best way to actually you know, make this whole thing work. But in the meantime, we can't put your needs on hold. You know what I mean? When, what do they say? If you have a number of people that come up to the front door and they're seeking assistance for substance abuse, you turn them away, only 5% of those people are gonna get service. They're gonna come back, they're not gonna come back. You gotta go find them again. So we try to make sure, I thought I'd turn this thing down. We try to make sure that we're there to really service folks. That's hmm. uh, amazing. Um, two final points. Yes, sir. Um, and you can handle them however you like. So. Obviously, every organization, every business has peaks and valleys, um, some difficulties. I'd like for you to touch on some of those that you kind of see and see maybe in the near future. But also to put an appeal out. I mean, it's that time of the year. Um, Holidays are coming. Um, A lot of marketing and stuff gets ramped up to encourage people about the giving season, etc. I'd like for you to take this opportunity early to make a pitch to those folks. Uh, Well, what what my pitch is to to address it the, from the I guess the barrier part or the challenging part is always funding. It's getting funding and being able to you know continue on your services um, that you that you need and and especially when you see the need like I just talked about expanding our services to fit the needs. Well, that also is within what can we afford to do so we can see that the need is here. We can want to actually do it, but usually you've got to have funds to do that. And that's always a challenge. How do you go out and get that funding? What are you doing? Another reason of bringing up up what you're doing 
to other folks so they can see, look, we're doing good things. We're helping a large population. So we put our statistics out there as well. Like, you know, over 80,000 people since 2000. We've, we've contacted and reached over 80,000 people uh, since 2001. Of those people, we've gotten over 50,000 that referred to services. And of those, we've serviced ourselves over 30,000 people. So that shows folks that we're not, we're not just here, you know, looking at people passing by. We've been engaged in there, and we need the funding to continue that. Um, just like you know, the majority of other organizations. And during this holiday period, you know, you hope that, that people are feeling that sense of, uh, of giving, but not just for, like I said, we, we've, we've had large toy drives for years, since, since 2001. And that was, for us, it was the carrot to say, let's give, get these toys to these folks so they know who children's futures are and build a trust relationship. And it, it has helped. It has helped both with male and female. There were some males that, you know, that you feel, you feel a certain way um, if you, you're not able to give to your child internally. You hold that. And what was that causing? Domestic violence issues. So now you're able to actually provide it, even if you let him come. It was some situations we were like, oh, meet me here. You go pick it up and you take it, do what you got to do. Cut down domestic violence, increase self-esteem, had a made a contact. You know, so the gifts and things that we get, you can assure that it all goes out, with the exception of some of the oddball things that we've you know received. But all, all of uh, everything that we get, uh, our donations and things go right out to to the public, to the community at large. We have them. We in some cases we take and. Uh, will transport it to them or they can come here and we take clothing um of course cash anyway uh people want to make donations to us and not just for the holiday season you know we we continuously come out and say that the need is not just from september october november and december and it goes on hold after new year's it's that no that need continues on so we're here all year round of course and we've we were operating during the pandemic when most places were closed. We we closed, I think, for a whole three weeks right after the pandemic. But after that, we was here one day, then two days. And by June, we were here three days a week and then three days a week and work from home uh, the other two days. And we kept that same model. So. Well, Spencer Lester, Chief Financial Officer of Children's Futures, I thank you for a few minutes of your time, and I look forward to speaking to you in the near future. All right. Thank you much, sir.